This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. So we're at the beginning of 2023 and nothing better to talk about than healthcare expenses um, because that controls a lot of things that we do throughout the year. Some people are relieved that maybe some of the premiums reduced uh, in the workplace, maybe. Maybe somebody got a higher subsidy, but healthcare costs certainly didn't go down. It's going to go up and it's going to continue to go up. And where's that threshold? And some people feel that the government should step in and start taking care of it. But uh, if you haven't heard it on this show, there's technically three government-paid healthcare systems in the United States as a, at this current moment in time. You got Medicare, Medicaid, and uh, the VA, and uh, everybody knows there's horror stories that come out of it. There's always good intentions. You pull a larger pool of money. Everybody's charged a little bit less in theory. Uh, but the reality is actually it cost you more. So if you actually broke down what you actually paid into the Medicare pool throughout the years that you were working, you're better off reinvesting that yourself. And then by the time you got to uh, retirement age and just continue to keep paying for your own health insurance, you would have more than what they're actually providing to you. And so it just depends on which side of the coin uh, you look at and your perspective. Uh, for those who follow me on LinkedIn, um, yesterday I posted uh, a little picture on there, you guys should go over to my LinkedIn, Butch Zimar, and um, and check it out. But um, there's a picture of uh, what military guys think when they hear military grade, and this is guy, this guy standing in a dumpster pretending it's a jeep. And one perspective is military grade. Some people think you get the state of the art. Uh, the other ones uh, think that uh, you get the scraps that are left over from the previous war, and it could be years ago, uh, World War II stuff, or Korean, or Vietnam, and here we are and 2020s, right? It's all perspective. The same thing with government healthcare. Uh, you think that you're going to get better outcomes and not necessarily, but speaking of better outcomes, I'm going to talk about a little study about higher costs and, um, and not better outcomes, but uh, we'll get to that. Uh, one story I want to bring up because some of the people listening to this probably are aware that um, one of my kids had surgery recently. He chipped a knuckle. Uh, they wanted to put it back in place so he didn't have future problems. It wasn't necessarily an issue today. But I often remind them, most of us grew up with injuries, and then when they subsided or went away, or we thought they did, you know, when we get older, we say, yeah, yeah, I remember that play on the football field or whatever it was. Well, you know, I guess we had surgery in this case to prevent some of that to actually occur. Uh, but I wanted to go over a couple things of how ridiculous some pricing is. So uh, we don't have all, we don't have any of the invoices in yet, but we have claims being reconciled by the insurance company or they go, I have explanation of benefits at this point. Uh, one of the bills uh, was for the hospital room and other things that were related in the room and, you know, the Novocaine or whatever they use to numb them up and whatnot. All of it's included in that one bill, not the surgeon himself. The total bill was $13,000. It was outpatient, obviously, we we're there for a few hours, but so $13,000, but the discount was brought down to just under $2 under $1,000. And so uh, obviously I'm grateful for the discount. I think $1,000 is very reasonable. What I think is unreasonable is how in the world do they come up with a $13,000 bill that's payable at 1000 I call that the purple unicorn of the universe. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we have so many complex issues going on with the healthcare 
Another bill that came in, we were in our doctor's office to get an opinion. We were there for 15 minutes, probably 15 minutes, and included the x-ray. So uh, you figure the consultation with the, uh, the actual doctor was uh, less than that. Uh, it was probably three minutes to five minutes, basically telling us that we had to go to a specialist. Obviously, I was underskilled to make that decision, so there's reason to believe that I should have been there. Bill was $428. But it was discounted to 150 bucks. Uh, I think 150 bucks for um, educated advice is definitely uh, realistic and worthwhile. But where they come up with 428 dollars in the 15 minutes we were in the office is kind of uh, insane. Again, another purple unicorn in the universe. But then you have the flip side where we had to get a COVID test in order to have the surgery, and so we went to. Um, somewhere local and uh, they were using Quest Labs, nothing against Quest Labs. They're actually a great um, service or provide a great service for a lot of people and, and much more affordable than the hospitals. But in this particular case, we go and get that test done. The bill to the insurance company was $125. So I have to pay the $125 um, ultimately because the COVID relief and all that stuff the government was doing is gone. So I'm paying for it. And then it actually produced a false positive. And, and of course, I don't want to get into politics and, you know, there's pros and cons on whether the tests really work. But the very next day, we, we get a test from the hospital we were having it at, and it was negative. So, like, if he had COVID, it probably would have continued and he had no fever. Nobody in the house was sick. And so I have to pay $125 for a false positive, whereas the hospital bill for the repeated test was $39. Huge discrepancy, and I got to pay for a bogus test. That's how healthcare is in the United States, um, and it's not driven by the insurance company. In this case, it's driven by the providers that are issuing uh, or providing the service. So let's lead into a study. Uh, I think the study was done um, over a course of some time, but I, the article that I have here I was actually um, still. I have an archive of articles that I save on my desk, and they can just mount up. So I pulled this one out. And I printed this March of last year, 2022. And so this is about the time that it was published. Um, uh, the study uh, was done by the National Bureau of Economic Research Fund. And it talks about higher hospital price, uh, prices don't equate to better uh, patient outcomes. And so in some cases, they were saying that in some cases where the pricing was higher, it cost them a ton more money, but they had more patients survive whatever illness or injury that they were facing. So they had better outcomes in certain cases. But in most of the cases that they were studying throughout the entire country is that the higher cost had no impact on better outcomes. And so we have this thing that we have higher costs keep going up. The hospitals are redoing their, their windows, their building structure, and you have a nice lobby area. And we're not getting better results. Um, and there's a lot that goes into this. And one of my biggest things is there's no accountability in healthcare. There isn't. If a doctor makes a mistake, whether it's intentional or not, or it changes the results. So if you go in and you have a certain procedure or testing done and it didn't come out to uh, favorable results for some reason, either between you or the doctor, and you want to get a second opinion or a second test, some of that is driven off of defensive medicine because somebody made a mistake, somebody did something wrong, okay? But guess who gets the uh, pay for it? It's the same example I gave on the COVID test. I have a false positive, and I still got to pay $125 for that. 
Um, that's absurd. Um, and so healthcare is very similar to that in a lot of ways. There was a huge lawsuit. This is going back 10 or 15 years ago. It was, I believe in Colorado, a surgeon had open heart surgery or something in the open cavity of the chest, um, whether it was heart related or lung, I'm not really certain at this point, but for some reason they actually left a sponge in there, but they picked it up on an x-ray afterwards when they were doing follow-up tests. And he was also, the patient was actually having further issues. So they said, we got to go back in there and get that sponge back out. So they do, they have another surgery, get the sponge out. They build the insurance company. The insurance company denied that the hospital system sued the insurance company to make the payment. It went to court. Um, and then um, the court system actually agreed with the insurance company that the doctor should be responsible for those expenses since it was his mistake to leave that in there. Uh, there should be more accountability. Uh, very rare do we ever see that uh, in healthcare. And there's only certain, I've only read about it in outpatient clinics throughout the independent outpatient clinics throughout the country where let's say you had a hip replacement and within the, there's a certain guideline they give, and I don't know what the, the statue is, but let's say it's within a couple of years, you start having issues and you have to have another surgery. They'll actually own up and they won't charge you for it um, or portions of it. They won't charge um, kind of like your mechanic where they're trying to do diagnostic. Some smaller shop mechanics, if they do a diagnostic and they say, okay, we need, we recommend, uh, you know, change your flux capacitor. And so they charge you for the installation and the part and they find out that didn't fix anything but you have a new part so a lot of them will just say you know what we're just going to credit that labor bill to more diagnostic and um, further bills but we're going to pay you for the flux capacitor because it's already in your car you're going to be driving away with it you own it and so uh, and that's just being business conscious and responsible and uh, customer friendly but in healthcare we don't we don't actually get that Hey gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing, weird expenses coming out of nowhere, and when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006 or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net and be sure to check out the Zemar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zemar to work for you now. So leading to more bad news about healthcare costs. I know this is probably a jury um, podcast, but I think you guys need to know there there's healthcare expenses that people ignore. I always use the example of an unlimited credit card. People think that, well, my exposure to my credit card is my deductible out-of-pocket copay, whatever it might be. Uh, co-insurance, uh, which is just cost sharing with the insurance company. So all that is what people look at as their actual cost. They don't look at total costs and we're indirectly impacted. So we're not actually seeing these kind of like the surgery we just had for my kid where the exposure right now is very minimum uh, if we just left everything and go, but uh, le left everything where it was at. 
But having the surgery, we're preventing a problem down the road and saving him time and aggravation and potentially another surgery down the road. And obviously, if healthcare costs keep going up, we're going to win because we paid for it now versus later. And so, yeah, obviously, I'm just being responsible in general, but we're trying to control the cost down the road that may potentially be there. And healthcare, we don't do that. We have this unlimited credit card. Nobody really cares. The insurance company actually really doesn't care either. And here's an example. I actually, um, this is an article uh, that talks about actually the state Blue Cross in New Jersey. Um, it is specific to New Jersey in this case. Blue Cross is a franchise, in case you didn't know that, they are not actually an insurance company. They use uh, national PPO networks, and each state processes the claims and send it back, which is part of the issue with Blue Cross, um, versus United Healthcare processes all their own claims. They may hire an outsourcing company, but they still own the responsibility, uh, whereas other ones will actually defer it, like in this article um, that uh, I'm going to talk about, where they actually did some overpaying on claims, but... This happens all over the country. It's not just New Jersey. This just was isolated to this particular data that was collected uh, about overpayment. But in this case, the reason it cost, um, caught attention is because it, they paid three times the amount. And so there was a hospital bill that was billed to the insurance company at $674,000, whatever it was. It didn't give details. Uh, it wasn't about that. But the insurance company, uh, the Blue Cross franchise uh, holder, actually paid over $2 million for that same exact claim. And when they were they addressed this issue because it came out to, of a uh, self-insured pooling fund. So like unions are self-insured, companies are self-insured, especially big ones. It's moving down to small groups. For the small and mid-sized companies, the sooner you get off of uh, regular health plans and moving to the self-funded market, you're going to have a lot more control. And that's what happened here. They, they started seeing some of the claims go out and they're like, well, hold, hold the phone here because why are we paying three times the claim amount? Well, the insurance company wouldn't talk to them, even though it was their fund base, like because they, they're self-insured um, and they're administered through the carrier and there's some insurance related to that as well. And that's another topic altogether. But and so they challenged it because it's coming out of their pockets, whether it's premium dollars or the risk pool uh, premiums that they're putting into like an escrow account. Their first rebuttal was, uh, we can't talk to you about this specific claim, you know, due to confidentiality and HIPAA. And that's usually in most cases when you challenge things a lot, even if it's your own claim, that usually stops most. They just won't go any further. Most people just give up. Obviously, they tried to pursue it, and then it actually went to, to a lawsuit, and uh, eventually it came down to, well, we don't have control of third-party processing in other states, which is the blue, problem with the Blue Cross franchise. But, but still, um, they collected data that all over the 50 states that have health insurance that this overpayment method really comes down um, a lot, a lot more than you would think, um, costing eventually the policyholders uh, if it's not hundreds of millions, it's in the trillions of dollars of overpayments. And I, I have no data to support that, but I'm just saying that the cost that we're paying for in our premiums uh, is uh, indirectly as a result of not only the claims going up, people using healthcare more, um, uh, but also the overpayments where they're paying more than they actually should. And Medicare does this too. They're supposed to be checks and balances with Medicare, but and certain billing codes that where Medicare is willing to approve the claim that 
it's above what their rates are and they just take it. And that's a whole other argument that we'll probably save for another podcast. But And then as a result, the cost of the average hospital stay skyrocketed 98% since 2004. And so we're talking about almost 20 years uh, into this, we're talking about a 100% increase in hospital cost. And no one's checking and balance. The Affordable Care Act, when it was passed, it was really a tax law disguised as healthcare law. And it wasn't even health insurance. I mean, it did change some of the things of how plans are purchased uh, or bought in the marketplace. And there's some element of that. Um, but they didn't address the true cost. They talk about Affordable Care Act. Obviously, it's a marketing play. We can get into politics at another time. But certainly, the Affordable Care Act didn't address the root of the problem. But politicians never address the uh, root of the problem. We'll just throw that out there. But the issue really comes down to is nobody wanted to address the the hospitals and the providers, and especially the pharmaceutical world. And COVID was a huge example with the vaccines as far as cost margins go. And, uh, and again, uh, and that's why a lot of them in the beginning covered the cost um, uh, because the, the government wanted to hide it all. But anyhow, I'm getting off tangent here. But basically, in, in the end, they never addressed it. And partly because there's the, those were the bigger players with money. And so these big hospital systems or provider groups across country, as long, along with big pharma, uh, pharmaceutical companies, they're paying these politicians off to keep their mouth shut and, uh, or implement certain things so they can keep them away. And it's sad there's money in politics, but it is what it is. And I'm just pointing out that um, the real problem in healthcare is to really the expense side of things. I've addressed that on another podcast and nobody wants to talk about it. That's why the movement currently is not through government regulation. It's through the broker channel, the independent consultants um, out there that are basically reformatting how health insurance is purchased in the marketplace and pointing out things and bringing resources to the table that employees can actually make better decisions to produce better outcomes, not only financially, but health-wise. Just because a hospital system has money to fork over and buy an award and put a big banner up on their building doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting what they're advertising there. Um, those are purchased in a lot of cases. And we have um, st- cases where they have the banner on the front of the building, yet you're going for surgery and that surgeon actually has eight pending lawsuits against them. And how are you going to know that? Because they're not going to publicly put it out there, but there's resources out there that you can get access to. A lot of it's provided by the employer. You could get, employer could actually uh, gain access to it through a benefit program. But uh, and maybe we'll get some experts on here that talk more a little bit more about that. But there's a lot of things going on that consumers don't spend the time to actually figure it out. Sure, it's a lot of time, but um, you just have to do it in little pieces over a period of time, and then you'll be basically armed and ready for a lot of things that occur. And a lot of consumers would just become wiser in the process, which is never a bad thing. Maine, the state of Maine was talking about merging the individual and small group market. There was another podcast that I talked about this a little bit, and it was about a year ago they were talking about doing this, and they believe they could reverse the uh, trend and reduce the premiums in 2023. Uh, I have not seen this. We don't operate in the state of Maine at this current moment in time. doesn't mean we can't, but from public information, I have not seen a reverse trend or even if they finalize this completely because a lot of times if things have roadblocks, unless you're heavily involved in the process, you'll never find out until it's done or it disappears. And so 
I wanted to talk about it again because the individual and small group markets are are two different sets of pools of, of people and premium dollars. Insurance companies are in business to spread risk, and so they have to do it across a large premium base. And so when you have a fixed or rigid or non-expanding market space, um, it could create higher claims and because you're not getting new money getting into it. And so I know it's complex, but these are two different pools of money. And what they're trying to do is put it all in one. And so you have a bigger base and uh, maybe Maine doesn't have that big of a population. And I didn't look up that data compared to other places throughout the entire country. But in some ways, this could actually benefit. And I believe some of the data may be true as a result um, if all works out. But you and I know that insurance companies are not in business to reduce premiums. They're in business to, I don't care if they're a nonprofit. In fact, nonprofits are worse than for-profit companies. And so by merging these two markets could actually benefit. But unfortunately in other markets, so let's say in Illinois, you have Chicagoland market, uh, the small group rates are actually less expensive than the uh, on exchange or the individual private insurance market. Unless you're getting a subsidy, which is paid for by taxpayers, not the government, you're getting gov- or taxpayer money to pay your premium. So the fixed premium is still the same. The actual retail cost of the premium is still the same. Small group in Chicagoland area is less than the individual plans. And so uh, in most cases, uh, there are a few exceptions, but the Illinois market or the middle uh, or the tri-state area actually merge the plans together, you create a bigger pool. But what will happen is the small group rates would go up. And so I don't think that would be beneficial, at least in this market, um, but in other markets, it could be beneficial. I do think that there are some pros and cons to both sides, and I think those need to be discussed. Um, it's way above my pay grade for that. Uh, but again, it's probably going to be politicians at a table that really don't know how to look at numbers and they make these decisions. And I think that's what's going on in Maine. But I do think at some point, especially if the more and more states do this, one of the consolidations they're probably going to do is eliminate the broker and the sm- uh, individual and small group, uh, even though we're actually not paid that much. But I think over time, so just expect more consulting fees if you want advice, which I think is fair and reasonable in the marketplace. You pay for advice in other spots, whether it's an attorney or your tax person. But you may see more of these trends where because they're trying to control costs, especially if we know that healthcare costs at a hospital has gone up nearly 100% in the last uh, nearly 20 years. Uh, obviously, that's reflected in our premium dollars because everything's indirect. So uh, increasing costs is going to have to come to a stop. Sure, there's inflation going on and dollars are going to catch up, but people need to make more mo- money first in order to pay for it. And so we're in this transition period that is going to be very difficult for a lot of people. But I still think at some point it's got to change because I can't imagine, and I'm sure people years ago couldn't imagine that we would spend, you know, five dollars for, or or even some cases seven or eight dollars for a gallon of milk. Where back in the day, a gallon of milk was maybe even less than a dollar, and so now we're actually transitioning much higher. We may end up paying fifty dollars for a gallon of milk at some point, but the threshold of what income is related to that it's a different topic. A book out there, uh, Freakonomics, actually explains this very well about income and um, changes in, in inflation uh, over a period of time. It's actually a good conversation in the book. But anyhow, great topic for January, uh, increasing costs. There are ways to control this if an employer or um, employee that has some control in the company or, or input um, definitely 
need to look at some opportunities to actually reverse trends. Um, there's uh, case study after case study where employers are actually not only saving money in the first year, but the second and third year. And then where some cases where they're in the fourth and fifth year and either it's stabilized or it's still re- reversing the trend because they're putting in processes and programs to actually create better outcomes that um, not only for the employee and their health, but also to save money.